0: yo everybody welcome to episode 38 of your very favorite podcast oh god it hurts
1: oh god it hurts
0: yeah it's uh getting near the end of summer 2023 it's still a little hot what every day weekend in america yeah, yeah. that's all it's always hotter when my co-hosts the infamous six-button samurai is around. How are you doing, good sir?
1: uh I'm very well. It has been. There's been a weird streak of shockingly mild days lately, and while you know, here in early September, we're still slated to have some triple-digit days. Like they're numbered now, yeah. so that's exciting. How are how are you, uh, mighty game agent Et? Out in Japan, how are things?
0: Oh man, uh, compared to Tucson, Arizona um, uh, It's still actually kind of hot and humid And uh, it's kind of Crazy because we're still experiencing uh, 90 degrees Weather and it's going to be like that for at least The next two weeks mm-hmm. Usually it cools down a little bit But Yeah, um, uh, yeah uh, uh, School, I'm a English teacher at elementary and junior high schools here so yeah summer uh, i mean uh school is now in session second semester got a little busy haven't been playing too many games but still uh tinkering with uh, tears of the kingdom just not every day like i've been doing the past three months <laughs> How it's about time you? For
1: pencils books and dirty looks
0: yeah <laughs> Pretty much, I get lots of those dirty looks. I don't. I don't yeah. know what. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Man. Just the children. <laughs> I, I know. Um,
1: on my <laughs> well, end, yeah. What are you, what are you playing? <laughs> well, I. Here's the thing. Like, we're gonna talk a little bit about Sea of Stars, which uh-huh. I've been looking forward to as a big fan of the Messenger. Nice. Um, but oddly enough, right now I am finally on the cusp the last couple chapters of my first complete run through of Chrono Trigger. Ooh, and nice. So for me, like that'll be an ideal place from which to evaluate this new turn-based offering that sort of cites some of Squaresoft's greatest as primary inspiration for it. So, yeah. It's a good thing. I'm trying to find like yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to find, like, some weird ways of, like, threading, because, like, I play a lot of retro, and it's the mister's fault, and <laughs> I know I've talked about yeah. it many times on this show ad nauseum, but, like, you know, I've had a really great time sort of not just finishing a lot of unfinished business, but also, like, discovering a lot of new games, and... um I'm trying to find ways to sort of thread those things like, Oh, what will this set me up to appreciate as far as like what's coming out? So like the last thing I finished was Super Mario RPG. So now I feel like yep. super ready to evaluate the remake. Um, and then I think Chrono trigger is going to set me up well for sea of stars. Um, and obviously I'm revisiting the Mario titles in advance of Super Mario wonder, which we will also talk about.
0: Yep, and it's just great that you have a mister, I I wish I had one, but it just opens up a library of things that some things that are so rare and so hard to find, so expensive, that Mm -hmm. I mean, how else are you going to play them?
1: Well, it's, it's not even just that. I mean, I like to support as much as I can some of the like retro reissues when they drop, especially if they're like going the extra mile and doing a really great job with them in the vein of like M2 or digital eclipse, as we've discussed. Yeah. Um, But there's also so many games that we will just never, ever see again. Yep. And so, uh, I love the idea of just trying to keep these alive. Um, obviously, in many cases, that means piracy. Um, but you know, this is the work that many of the companies are just kind of choosing not to do. So, for lack of a better alternative, like it, you've got to, yeah. you've got to keep the ter- the tape circulating as they used to say about uh VHS cassettes and mystery science theater. Like Yep. You just gotta keep those things alive. And there's so many like awesome ideas and things that are like generated and discarded among, you know, the massive libraries for all of these old game systems. So I think it's worth exploring.
0: Yeah, I mean out of sight, out of mind, if it's too out of sight then you're gonna lose not only track of these games because there's so many of them, but there are a lot of classic gems that you just won't be able to experience, and you're gonna miss out. And yeah, I mean, imagine if nobody could play Chrono Trigger anymore. Yeah, that'd be just a travesty. Yep. So, uh,
1: and there hasn't been a well. I know there was there was one for PC or Steam that came out not too long ago, but Unfortunately, I think it also launched with like a variety of issues that like lots of modders were going to jump in and fix. But yeah. I don't know. Square has been kind of a an uneven keeper of the flame with regard to a lot of their re-releases. Um, I think for most, the Pixel Remasters kind of represented a giant leap forward on yeah. that front. Um, but even that, like the the initial Steam. Uh, launch of those titles had a bunch of issues namely the lack of like a proper sort of classic pixel font that drove a lot of people crazy and yeah that was rectified by the time the console releases dropped so
0: which is good i mean because i i think presentation especially with those older rpgs you want it to be as Seamless as possible, you want people to focus more on enjoying the game and reliving memories than kind of like saying, Oh my god, that font is hideous or right, <laughs> you right. know, just jarring <laughs> totally, <laughs> yeah. So, but in any rate, uh, yeah, all they need is Chrono Trigger in their set, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, moving right along, uh, let's talk about something that, um not as positive, but yeah, people are gonna see some hits on their wallets if they're uh, Sony fans. Uh, Sony announced that they're gonna have a price hike on their uh, services for online gaming, yep. and. Uh, if you are a part of PS Plus, yeah, the rates are going as high as, like, uh, $20 to $30 to $40. Oh, my God. It's uh, basically a
1: 35% price hike across the board, depending,
0: regardless yeah. of whatever
1: tier you subscribe to
0: PS Plus on. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, what? Uh, Essential is, like, the <clears> basic <throat> tier, and that's going up 20 bucks from... I forget what the, was the initial price, wasn't it, I think it was sixty bucks? 60 And now it's eighty. Yeah, so that's yeah. only just to play online, right? And then uh, pretty much, I don't think there's much
1: in the way of like a library for you to pluck from at that tier.
0: Yeah, I I, I heard that <sighs> is going up by twenty. Uh, Extra is the one that the tier that gives you PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five games that they'll throw in once in a while. That's yep. going up thirty five dollars. Yeah, and then premium is the one where they also include the retro library titles, and yeah. that's going up forty dollars. Yeah. Good lord, that's a lot of money. Well, what do you think? About this?
1: You know, here is the thing. Like, I had to re up with my PlayStation subscription back in June. I had first signed up for it a little over a year ago and I wasn't that motivated to mess with it before but the big sort of hook for me was playing the um the fancier PS4 version of uh Virtue Fighter 5. Yeah. Um yeah. Which is beautiful. It's a really beautiful um graphic overhaul of that game. If you have not played it, um functionality in the game itself remains largely the same it did not get like a net code overhaul which it probably should have but um so yeah I had signed up for that a year prior and the thing was when I was picking I wound up going with the middle tier um PS extra I believe and when I looked at it having gotten accustomed to paying like Fifteen ninety nine a month for Game Pass when I looked at that price I was like that's actually a really smoking deal because it was like a package deal that was like 85 bucks for the year yeah. and I was like shit no brainer like given that library of games because uh, obviously a totally subjective thing but I would say the PS plus extra library versus the game pass library. I don't think there's really a comparison. I think the PS plus library is just a significantly better stack of games overall. Wow. Interesting. Completely a subjective thing. But the thing that occurred to me in the back of my head, when I signed up, when I re-upped in June was like, they're going to end up jacking up this price before long because Mm -hmm. the disparity between them and game pass is just enormous. So now PS plus premium, I believe is going to be 160 a year. Wow. And so, you know, still technically cheaper although Game Pass itself also got a bit of a price hike much smaller percentage though yeah so like i think it was an overdue correction but i think it's also a tough pill for a lot of PlayStation gamers to swallow because um you know it's the it's the steepness of the hike rather than the existence of a hike itself yeah And I think if they had their shit together, they might have done a smaller one this year and then immediately planned for another one next year. Hmm. You know, it's hard to, you know, do you piss people less off with a gradient of a price tag? Or do you just clobber them all at once? And I think in this case, it was the really severe disparity between the cost of PS Plus and its various tiers versus Game Pass that made people say, ah, well, fuck it. You know, we'll just do this. Yeah. But again, that- like, the thing that lurks in the back of my head now is just like, well, there's a long tradition thus far among console wars in which the perceived market leader. Tends to act a bit more dickish because it sort of feels it can
0: until and it would have a
1: history, <laughs> right? Um, and we kind of saw the same hubris coming out of Microsoft after the Xbox 360 when they were going into the Xbox One and had their mental breakdown and wanted to embrace television and suddenly didn't want to embrace gaming and you know, they've never really recovered from that. Um, (laughs) so I don't know. I mean, I get why gamers are mad, but at the same time, like I definitely saw it coming just by virtue of the disparity of that price. Um, but I don't know, like gamers are definitely a volatile lot these days. Um, you know they uh, uh, the part of it I'm just like I'm very bummed out by like the continual sort of outrage cycle and how like every seemingly minor thing with a game coming down the pipe just becomes like the grist for like five different Kotaku articles about the same thing,
0: you know what I mean, so yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> It's just really tough for everyone because prices are rising everywhere for all countries, Japan included. And geez, you you don't even want to see like us expats living in Japan, cringing at the sight of how much the dollar is compared to the yen. It's terrible. Like my money is no good. (laughs) However, if you come to Japan. Any Americans, you're going to have a field day. You're going to be going to Super Potato, buying everything in sight.
1: I'm going to buy us Coolish every day, Eddie.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> buy me Coolish while you're at it. You can afford it. But it's just disgusting right now. But yeah, at the same time, I mean, as you said, it's a necessary thing that needs to be done because costs are rising. And the fact that, they kind of had that disparity, as you said, compared right. to Game Pass for Xbox. Mm-hmm. It was bound to happen. So a lot of people uh, are complaining right now, but there are a few that were smart enough to buy multiple years at this rate before it went up. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you'll have a chance by the time this uh, podcast uh, episode comes out, but hey, I mean, for next time, if you sense one of these... Price hikes coming. You might want to buy multiple years if you want to really save some money. I mean, yeah, that's not uncommon. But right. But for now, I'll just stick with my what five thousand yen a year for my Nintendo Switch. Uh, <laughs> you mean um, the best deal in gaming <laughs> pff, until next month, maybe. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, uh, 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 you know, I. Uh, the sad thing here is that like if Nintendo really got their shit together as far as online service, like that would win over so many people because their games you look at fucking Mario Kart, imagine how many games of Mario Kart online have been played versus even the most popular Xbox or PlayStation games I'm willing to bet it's a lot of fucking hours and a lot of games. I agree, yeah. And that's despite what is kind of a mediocre network operating environment for those things.
0: It's the worst out of the three, in my opinion. Right. Because Because uh, voice chat, <laughs> have fun speaking through your cell right. phone or your smartphone. But yep. not only that, I mean... Don't even talk to a Smash Brothers player who complains so much about the online experience, right. which is terrible, peer-to-peer. Mm-hmm. Peer. But, uh, yeah, I think in terms of, like, if they really wanted to up their game, obviously you would start with the library that you have for retro games, which they still continually fall on the face every time they... I mean, yeah, they're bringing out a few more games here and there, but wouldn't it be nice if they had a more concrete plan saying, like, every month we're going to release a Genesis game at the first week, a Game Boy Advance game the second week, blah, 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 instead of, like, saying, oh, hey, surprise, surprise, here's a game, and then you never know what's going to come next, and it's drip-feed hell.
1: I'd love to know, like, what that entire process is as far as, like, curating those games. Like, is there a giant wish list that they have and the few that trickle in are just the ones that they're successfully able to iron out the rights for? Like, because, and to be fair, like, Every hardware manufacturer right now is guilty of this, like, yeah. Sony, especially after the announcement of the price hike, they got dragged for having three relatively mediocre free games for September. Yep, um, Xbox games with gold is an absolute joke, <laughs> like, it's some of the worst offerings going every month, so like. Every hardware manufacturer does a version of this where there's some sort of promised freebie and it's really not something worth waiting for. And so Mm -hmm. you'd think at least one of them would just go, you know, man, this is a real lost opportunity to like engage with our community, to have those people excited on a regular basis every month, sort of anticipating what the new thing is, because basically like you have to sort of build those systems of like, well, this is a hint about the game that's dropping this month. Maybe you do that like three weeks in advance and then a week in advance, there's a screenshot maybe with no name. And then you let people feed off of that and talk positively about it. And instead, like none of them are pursuing that in a really like, aggressive, and positively community-minded way. And that really kind of bums me out and just seems like a gargantuan lost opportunity. Now, I get it. Like, you know, how much labor do you want to put into chasing a dollar that technically you've already earned by virtue of somebody's online subscription? But you sure as hell might build some additional
0: loyalty out of that. I you know? agree, I mean any of these companies, the big three, they really need a social media maven like like you, because they need a guy or girl uh who knows their stuff about video games, can generate the hype, has I'm their just figure thinking on that the it's calls. gotta
1: have it's gotta have something to do with just the rights for these things being very sticky and complex. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of publishers that are just like, well, why should we give up this game for free for X amount of time? With, for, You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that that's just an absolute cesspool of non-deals and a lot of not fun happening as far as negotiating with publishers. I mean, you well, think yeah, of but... all the immense... Like, you think of all the Japanese giants and a lot of those games... That were done on the third party side that will probably never appear for NES or Super NES on Nintendo uh, switch, of switch online. online yeah yeah, like it's a lot now because a lot of them have sort of realized you know after the um oh God, what's the name of it? I can't even think of it now. The service on Wii yeah uh... virtual. The virtual, virtual console? console yeah like you think about just how many games were available at that time for that thing that's right the a lot of them had. just yeah. wised up and were like oh we can just sell this ourselves we don't have to do that you know what i mean so maybe this is also a function of nintendo's sort of Legendary cheapness behind the scenes dealing with third party developers, right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just a big draw, a uh, ball dropped. And not only that, like these collections nowadays, uh, some of them have a lot more in terms of extras and actual uh, curation about how the games were made or things like that, interviews, uh, right. things included to get people amped. And it's Focused on those games rather than saying, Oh, this is available. Yeah. You can play it at the mm-hmm. not even a manual to know how to play the game. You just <laughs> drop it in there. here you go. Right. So maybe it did work out for the better for third parties, but uh all I gotta say is i don't know i want to meet that person who decided that claymates and Jelly Boy was a great idea to bring out for uh, the <laughs> nintendo <laughs> switch online and have a good talking to them and see uh, what what's going on in the little pre- pea brain of theirs but anyways i digress uh, <sighs> um yeah
1: <laughs> i just all i can theorize is i bet they were cheap <laughs> yeah
0: you're like oh well uh mm, i see the cutting floor bl- below me oh here's kaboom <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> nobody
0: i wonder if anyone remembers that game if not we're gonna just put it out yeah maybe it'll yeah. go viral <laughs> mm-hmm. anyways uh before we continue on let's take a quick break uh you'll be hearing from a fellow podcaster from ruminations radio network which we are also part of so if this podcast is of interest to you you can check out uh, their podcast at ruminations we'll be right back you've seen twin peaks all the way through but all you have are spoiler free discussions at blue rose task force podcast no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory Put the coffee on. Okay, and we're back. Hey, guy. Hey, guy. How you doing? Good. <laughs> um, here's a thing that I was kind of interested in because it looked cool, but I, I'm not good with video game hardware. I was wondering if you can kind of tell us more about it because mm-hmm. it sounds like, uh, especially for guys who have a, uh, uh, a mister, this would be a godsend, or anyone that has classic consoles that want to play on their new fandangled uh, TVs that are flat panels and, you know, nice and clean, but not so good with showing uh, classic console resolutions. Yeah. Can you tell us more about this product that I heard about called Retro Tink 4K? Sure. Sounds cool, so, though.
1: So, um, there's a really brilliant engineer, software developer by the name of Mike Chi. And he started out making these devices that were essentially just like you could run composite or S video um, from like an old game system, NES, Super NES, N64, whatever, into this box. And it would basically. Double the line signal and then send it in a fairly clean and lag free way via HDMI to a modern TV set. And it represented a huge jump in terms of not just visual quality, but it also felt much better playing a classic console like this on a new school screen without any of the accompanying input lag that you would normally get if you attempted to just directly connect, like, a Super NES via stereo composite AV cable up to a TV like this. And so Mm. he's been at this, I want to say, at least a good five or six years now. And they've come out with a litany of different models. There was also the RetroTank 2X Pro, which could accept composite cables. So that was, like, a big boon for people that owned uh, PS2 or any of the other systems that supported component video. Um, The one that I have is called the RetroTink 5X, and this one is excellent because it supports component video, S-video, and composite. Um, It's also got a SCART input on the side of it, if you happen to have an old console with one of those cables. and that thing is actually capable of upscaling that signal to as high as fourteen forty p. And like the modded Super NES I have and the PS2 I have both look fantastic through it on my uh, HD TV that I have in my little side room. Um, the really big deal about this brand new. Retro Tink product, the Retro Tink 4K, is that this is pretty much the first component of its kind that is going to offer upscaling from this entire litany of old different systems, um, but could also, it's going to have an HDMI input. So you could even take your Nintendo Switch, outputting at 1080p, and upscale that to 4K with absolutely no lag. Um hmm. thus far, there's about maybe a half dozen different people that are content makers across YouTube, you know, folks like uh Joe from GameSack, um, the My Life and Gaming Guys, um Bob from Retro RGB, like a whole bunch of those generally retro-minded folks. Um They've all had the unit in their hands. They've all done a bunch of extensive bug testing. And the early word so far is that this thing is fantastic. And like, you know, it'll wind up being a really great solution, especially for gamers that just want to get a little bit of extra mileage out of the Nintendo switch specifically. Yeah. Um, because like when you hook up a switch via 1080p now like your modern television does a certain amount of upscaling itself but it's not the same as having like a powered hardware solution to actually do that Um, the quality really isn't quite there And so there's been a lot of side-by-side comparisons where, like, a Switch game taken and bumped up to that resolution just has like a substantially sharper, brighter, more colorful look when hooked up through the RetroTank 4K to one of those newer TV sets. So, the downside, of course, is that it's going to take, like, a genuinely enormous FPGA chip, like, Bigger than any that have been in the pre- previous Retro RetroTank products. Bigger than that. That's in the Mister, um, and so the presumed cost of the Retro RetroTank 4K out of the gate is probably going to be just somewhat under a grand.
0: So uh, is that is that Hong Kong dollars? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn it!
1: So it's going to be <laughs> steep, um, but. You know, the thing that is hard to convey about using an upscaler like the retro tank, like, I have the 5X, and there's so much versatility in playing around with all of the settings and getting exactly the picture you want, depending on the console you're using and what type of game you're playing, because... There's such a wide variety in those signals. You know, you've got a lot of PS2 games that output at, like, a native 4- 480i, which means they're interlaced. And so you need something like a RetroTINK 5X or the 4K that's going to do some pretty sophisticated deinterlacing to allow that image to display in, like, a really beautiful and sharp way that otherwise would not be possible.
0: Like wouldn't it look dim or kind of like shifty if you don't have that?
1: There's a lot of weird artifacts that managed to prop up. And one of the things that was a huge hurdle before is that, um, like earlier upscaling solutions, like the, the frame and some of the other ones from like, The late 2000s to early 2010s, um, they would often have like issues where if you fed it a somewhat incompatible signal, like it would just wig out or freeze up, or like there would be a big old like distortion or stop, and then it would have to like catch up and recalibrate depending on what the signal was like, a big game that people always use to test for this sort of thing, um, Chrono Cross on the PlayStation 1, like, the gameplay scenes in most of the game are in, I believe, 240p, but Mm. then when you switch to the menu, it uses, like, a much higher-res screen for, like, the menus, and so a lot of times, if you had a PlayStation 1 that was connected that way, And then you would go to the menu screen and you had some sort of an upscaling solution. Like it would completely wig out or freeze up or just have like this huge moment of lag, like disconnecting and then reconnecting and recalibrating for that high res image. So something like the RetroTank 5X is actually capable of doing that like instantaneously and readjusting for that different kind of signal without any perceptible break
0: so you're saying the fpga uh technology which was used in mister to emulate hardware for uh consoles that Mm -hmm. were produced now it's emulating displays
1: well now it's more a function of it just being able to support this software that does all of these tricks with video Like it's just endlessly configurable. And I think the one in the 4k is just a much bigger one because in attempting to need to produce that many dots, like 3840 by 2160, um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a giant, much more complex sort of math problem to do that. Like in real time. So basically, yeah. that's why it needs a much larger FPGA chip. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm. I don't know that I'm going to jump on that right away. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the Mister itself is capable of doing 1440p. And that looks really, really, really good on the two TVs that I have right now. Um, yeah. I'm actually more interested in the Think 4K because of. ability to upscale the nintendo switch like i would love to see the way those games will look on a new school tv when properly upscaled instead of just like the automatic upscaling that our televisions do um but i don't know like that's a big chunk of change and given that i have a 5x i might wait but by the same token I don't know. I might have to get rid of this thing to to fund <laughs> the yeah. purchase of a new one. But like, I don't know. I'm just gonna have to wait and see. But the thing is, like the Mr. itself has such an insane variety of modes that are basically mirroring a lot of the things that the tink products can do in terms of like shadow masks and different kinds of artificial scanline support and uh, gamma compensation yeah. that um uh, it's a really impressive piece of kit on its own, although apparently there are rumors now that there's some other new kind of massive FPGA board that might wind up replacing the mister, and that's apparently called the Mars Project. Um... Wow. And I think the thing that's pushing that um, there was a lot of talk about the development of the Mortal Kombat course for the Mister, mm-hmm. and apparently, what's necessary for it, um, the Mister that I have is configured with one 128 megabyte chip of RAM. The difficulty with the Mortal Kombat hardware is that the way that original arcade hardware works there's so much concurrent bandwidth being used that in order to have a Mr. core that would properly support that game, it's actually going to require dual Ram chips, which would be, I don't want to say a first because there were some beta versions of the PlayStation and Saturn cores that have used dual Ram. Yeah. Like, it is a known configuration that you can buy. The thing that you sacrifice if you kid out a mister with a dual Ram is that you can't have analog video out because the, the little IO port on the other side can either support the analog video or another Ram chip, not both at the same time. Mm. Um, so it's getting pretty interesting in that PGA land, Like, There's just always new tricks and new hardware around the corner and people really pushing the envelope. And the thing that I'm impressed with with the Tink products is that like, it was promised X number of features when the Retro Tink 5X came out. And the development on that thing just continued like mad to the point where now... It supports 1440p, it supports all these other added features that were not present or promised when the thing initially dropped. So I think that's another, you know, that's the way that guy, Mike Chi, works on his products. And so I think with the 4K, one of the reasons it's generating so much excitement is because people know the way that guy works at things. He's kind of a miracle worker, to be bloody honest, in terms of... The things he's able to accomplish with this hardware so people are wondering you know my god what all is going to be possible with the 4k and a much bigger fpga so it's wow. exciting and yeah. you know i don't think retro gamers have never had it so good in terms of the sheer amount of options that are available and the way these things can be really beautifully realized on relatively pedestrian modern tvs you know kind of doesn't necessitate that you go out and you know blow a grand on a big old expensive sony
0: pvm you know what i mean yeah i mean (laughs) as it gets less and less expensive and much better in capabilities i think hopefully more people jump on especially even uh video game companies themselves i mean imagine if they made these mini consoles that were uh you know emulating retro games but made it so that hey it's using fpga so it's a lot more accurate and it feels better and it looks better
1: yeah i mean i would love to see that but by the same token it's like you know that's the reason the mister kind of remains expensive yeah is because that core hardware the de10 nano board still has a fairly hefty price tag and you know unfortunately that's the reason that we haven't seen like a saturn mini or an m64 mini coming from those companies is because like the existing systems on a chip you know your sorts of analogs to like the raspberry pi that made the super nes classic and the genesis mini and all those other mini consoles possible Mm. you can't really do the newer consoles justice in a way that would actually satisfy consumers i mean yeah playstation sort of laid a bit of an egg with the dropping of their playstation classic you know for a variety of reasons i mean the biggest thing was just the the mismatch in uh, 50 hertz European software, yeah, um, that landed on American and Japanese consoles.
0: So, yeah, it was a mess, definitely. Yeah, but <laughs> they tried um, to capitalize on that craze, but yeah, failed miserably. But <laughs> it's kind of popular for people who want to, you know, just yeah, I mean, have a box still- to play if, if you jailbreak it obviously yeah yeah i mean there's a lot that's possible if you
1: jailbreak it i mean you can basically fix all of their mistakes if you dump your own
0: software to it so yeah. you just have yeah. to have a little know-how mm-hmm. but yeah a lot of good things coming down the pipe for that so oh, yeah uh, hopefully it'll improve soon um why don't we talk about sea of stars which I don't know about you, but I have played only a little bit of it at Bit Summit in Kyoto. Yeah. It's the indie uh convention that is held every year, and uh I got to try it out a little bit. I'm very excited. it looks so nice yeah. uh, i I can't get it yet because uh right now I'm still knee deep in Tears of the Kingdom, but it does look very promising. It got a lot of nice reviews so far. James, how do you feel about Sea of Stars so far? Uh, I heard that you played a little bit. bit. Yeah,
1: I've only played maybe a half hour's worth on Xbox Game Pass. Um, Yeah. I, as I mentioned, I'm very close to beating Corona Trigger. Mm -hmm. I want to do that first, and then I feel like, given that Sea of Stars so readily cites all of those SquareSoft classics as the primary inspiration for it. I feel like that's going to be a nice segue, you know? Move from one turn-based RPG into the next. Um, You know, thus far I found it very, very charming. You know, I was a big fan of The Messenger, um, which the same folks did. Um, Damn it, the name of that company is eluding me
0: Sabotage Studio?
1: Sabotage, yes. Um, But no, it's... Really good looking pixel art, um, and I I think it'll be a fun way to keep grinding away at something turn based.
0: Yeah, and uh, has music from Yasunori Mitsuda who worked on Chrono Trigger music. So yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Animations look great as well. I've been keeping track on them on Instagram, and they always updated uh, quite regularly about mm-hmm. the game development. And now that it's out yeah like I said um, I'm willing to buy it I just can't do it yet maybe in a couple months but But what is coming down the pipe very very soon is Super Mario Wonder which had a Nintendo Direct recently and wow it has a (laughs) lot of stuff James what is your impression on that game so far for what we see
1: you know the thing is like I haven't been that big of a fan of the new super Mario brothers games to this point. Mm. Um, and it's really not anything specific other than the fact that like, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what exactly has been missing from them to really like, light my fire is like a very old school, like, Fan of Mario Brothers series since day one, um, but every time I've sat down to try and get into one of those, there's just something not happening that doesn't allow me to connect with those games in the same way as I have with. I love Super Mario Odyssey to pieces. I also love Super Mario 3D Land and World. Yep, all terrific games. Um, but there's something about new Super Mario Brothers to this point that has just left me a little bit cold. And so, even though Super Mario Brothers wonder feels much more like a direct successor to new Super Mario Brothers in some ways, I also feel that in others, in terms of sheer like weirdness and inventiveness, like, there's a definite like, intensity of creative spirit that's happening with this new one mm-hmm. by virtue of the crazy new power-ups, um, the talking flowers, the wonder flower that causes you to, you know, microdose briefly. I mean, <laughs> there's all kinds of Tripping, man. funny things happening. With this game that had me really genuinely intrigued and compelled to play it. So I'm hoping that this will sort of break my kind of apathetic streak towards much of like the new Super Mario Brothers games and that this one genuinely goes down differently because thus far, everything I've seen from it looks incredibly compelling and fun and... Yeah, It just feels like it's missing that it feels like it's captured that thing that for some reason I felt the new Super Mario Brothers games were lacking.
0: Well, uh, basically from the reports that have been coming out in droves uh, since the Direct came out, um, one thing they mentioned was the fact that this game, when it was being developed, it had no deadline. Mm. It, it was one of those games where they were like, "Okay, you do what you want. When it's ready to come out, you let us know." And it's that's ready why. when it's
1: actually ready.
0: Yep. So there was See, no See, that's funny pressure. because that
1: that was that's kind of the resumption of like you know the old um, entertainment and analysis division. You know the the group that produced the greatest of the Super Mario Brothers and Zelda titles. Back in the day, yeah, um, they used to have a motto on the wall there where it was like, but it, I'm let me let me get this right because I could easily fuck this up. A oh, late yeah? game is only late until it comes out, a bad game is a bad game forever.
0: Oh, the, we talked about this before, it was a yeah. misquoted Miyamoto quote, right. <laughs> But it still rings true, even though whether or not no, it really said does. It, and I mean, but...
1: obviously the the modern wrinkle for that is that you know, yeah, many companies are comfortable releasing what's functionally a beta release, cyberpunk, and having you know millions of players <laughs> work that shit out amongst themselves. Yeah. Um, but no, like I think that's awesome if that was the process that created this game and yep. I desperately wish more developers would sort of you know ponder that. I mean I get of it it's difficult in an era where you know especially if you're somebody at like Activision where like you've got shareholders and everybody expects at least one COD release every year and blah 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 blah, blah. like you know yeah. It's so great when like a new game comes into being because there's an idea that dragged it kicking and screaming into the world rather yep. than an arbitrary release schedule that satisfies X fiscal
0: needs. It's why Madden is a dumpster <laughs> fire that will continue to be that way because it has to be coming out every year when, in all honesty... You should just just have it like how Street Fighter works. Just have DLC run the same engine, but maybe charge twenty bucks for like roster updates and whatnot. Maybe a few gameplay changes, because that's basically what you're doing. But you're charging full price every year. NFL two K five for life, bitch. I know, <laughs> but yes, yeah, see, um, that's why this game has a lot of promise, and not only that, there was an interview. Uh, through Wired uh, with uh, uh, Takashi Tezuka, who you may not know this man, but he's been doing Super (laughs) Mario games since Super Mario Brothers, and he's Mm -hmm. been a big part, either as a producer, supervisor, or director, and I believe he's the producer for this game. Yep. Wonder. And he was saying, yeah, we got ideas from everyone. It doesn't matter what their uh, status was, how long they've been in the company, they just kept getting ideas from everyone. And they got around 1,000 to 2,000 ideas for this game. They didn't put it all in there, but they listened to everyone and some of them made the cut and it's amazing that even with this Direct, it feels like there's a lot that's still hidden that they yeah. did not mention, and thus the word wonder. This was missing from Super Mario Brothers. It, it's something that made me uh, so infatuated with 3D Land when I played it on my 3DS. There were a lot of things in that game where you would go to a certain area, and then it would look like you didn't see anything, but if you got into a certain angle, you would see something that was hidden, like a power-up or whatever. And you're like, oh my god, that's pretty cool. And a lot of like wow moments, a lot of discovery moments that I really haven't had since um, Super Mario 3. Where it felt like, wow, this feels like a whole new experience. Like it's a fun adventure. Not just like, oh, here's Mario 2D Gaming once again, you know what I mean? Like, use Super Mario Brothers for DS was okay. He was fun. Uh, I played the Wii version a little bit, uh, only with friends, and that gets really competitive, which is funny. Like, you'll have some scraps with that. But overall, like, uh, you know, even Mario Maker had its moments where I was like, wow, they have some cool power ups and things like that. But what I didn't like from mario maker and mario maker 2 was just the amount of troll levels that people made because you know you give the keys to anyone oh yeah, it's it just like becomes the, older,
1: yeah you give the, the key a machine of doom right uh, <laughs> yeah you give the keys to a ferrari
0: to a 12 year old they're gonna like run over things and you uh-huh. know it's not gonna be pleasant right so right even though I had a lot of inventive things, it wasn't enjoyable for me for too long because I just didn't want to play other people's levels that were just there to troll you.
1: But well, that's now, the thing. I mean, yeah. the reason the Mario games are great yeah, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's because Nintendo has long had some of the very best level designers in the world yep like whatever it was that's in the water there in kyoto or the way they think about it or the whatever their creative process was for bringing these things into being yep those games just have a way of embedding themselves into your soul and like when you get stuck you're still so compelled to like keep throwing yourself at it because you know it's doable. You know it's within reach. And at least nine and a half times out of ten, it might be challenging, but it is fair. Yep. And it's the balance of all of those things that is, you know, the genius of that series.
0: Yeah. And what's I
1: mean, even- I would find it further interesting with Wonder because, like... It's not as if there's a crazy variety of power-ups themselves, Mm -hmm. but the thing that they're doing to really make it a little more like a modern game, the badges basically function like
0: a loadout. Yeah. That's what I was going to mention. Yeah. Where it's like, Um, how do I want to
1: play this? Oh, this is the thing that suits me because, Oh, I usually die this way or this level necessitates this. Like, that's a really interesting concession to me to make for a Mario title.
0: Yeah, and some of these badges are really cool things like uh, the grappling vine where you shoot out a little vine and it's like a Bionic Commando thing where you kind of mm-hmm. swing around. Yeah. There's invisibility, there's a yeah. dolphin kick. When you swim, you can swim a little bit faster and I think you can attack in the water as well with this dolphin kick. You also kick. smash
1: bricks with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then there's the wall climb jump, where I think it's like a triangle jump. Is that correct? Yeah, it's like the kick off the wall jump. Yeah. So the 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 point that uh, Tezuka, Mister Tezuka, was trying to uh, to show in Wonder is you have freedom to do whatever you want with these levels, and you can choose a badge. You can only use one every time you play a level, mm-hmm. but He was saying, you know, it's kind of kind of a shame. Like when you make a level and people play it until they master it, and then once that happens, it's like, yeah, that's it, right? Right. We wanted people to enjoy the level in different ways. So although you can beat it the normal way, what if you play with the badge with the, you know, the grappling vine? Maybe it, it unlocks a few new areas, and maybe um, you know, I don't know if they're gonna have achievements in this game like uh most modern games do. Uh Nintendo's known for not having achievements built into their system, but that'd be cool if you can say, Oh well, yeah, if you beat the level, you get this star, but you can get another star if you use this badge to beat the level, which makes it more challenging or whatnot. So, yeah. Or you find new things. Um not only that i mean the freedom even comes with the worlds like there are seven worlds so far that they revealed it's not labeled 1 through 7 you go to whatever world you want and yeah it's beautiful yeah it just it's, yeah it's gonna be very different i i think people will not be disappointed not another 2d mario game it's gonna be really really Fun, you could play it your own way, and hopefully it'll have varying challenges, you know?
1: Like, no, I'm excited for it. And I even think um, the way they thought through online play for this game, yep, and sort of doing away with the conventional, like, real time, like, all four of you are actually in a game at the same time. I think they realized that, like, that's never performed satisfactorily, yeah. In terms of lag and like network issues, so yeah, the took ghosts and the standees <laughs> and sort of the social functionality around that, yeah, is it... really really interesting. And again, like it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, okay, like that's a very Nintendo way of attempting to solve that particular issue.
0: In a well, way that doesn't yeah, yeah.
1: sacrifice like the core gameplay.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh it, it is borrowed from Dark Souls as well. Like those games True. have that sort of functionality where right. you're not directly uh working with someone. I, I mm-hmm. think the term is asynchronous. Yeah. Yeah. So you're helping people and you get hearts for helping people. And who knows what happens when you get a lot of hearts, you know? Maybe right. you get even more bonuses. So you know, if you're not a monster, you might, you know, be uh, rewarded. True. Might, mighty handsomely in this game. So that's why, uh, yeah, looks like it's going to be a good time. Can't wait. I mean, it's so weird. It's like Sonic Superstars is coming out three days before Mario Wonder and guess what's getting more hype? Yeah. but well. If it was back in the days, yeah, it'd be a blockbuster of a matchup, but that's for another day, I suppose. Uh, yeah, know, talking about Sonic superstars. I mean, I'm excited about it, but at the same time Sonic Frontiers,
1: like Sonic is a very strange animal and yep. to this day like You know, there's been a lot of those games. Some of them have been great, particularly the originals on Sega Genesis. Yeah. Many after that, sort of less so. I mean, uh, you know, for many people, Sonic Mania represented this, you know, giant, lovely return to form that they had longed for for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, Sonic Superstars looked really good to me, it looked like, you know, the more polished 2.5D version that sort of keeps it very traditional from a gameplay standpoint, but, you know, has a little bit more graphic polish to it that might be more appealing for modern audiences. Yeah. I don't know, I mean, I'll, I'll pick it up. Um, but I would have to say at this point, I'm definitely anticipating Super Mario Brothers.
0: Wonder more. Same here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, very excited. Uh, it's a shame though; it comes out the same week. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll talk more about it. Um, we ran out of time, but I was hoping to talk about the pixel art statement that uh the Sonic team had made about Sonic. But maybe for some other time, we'll talk about that. But for now, for sure. Yeah. It's been always good it's always good to chat with you, chat games with you. Um, James, you want you wanna plug anything before we go?
1: Uh you can find me and my various retro ramblings on Instagram at Super Barrio Kart.
0: Sweet. Uh for me I'm on Instagram as well, GameAgentET. ET. Um, oh god it hurts has a Twitter uh Not channel uh, account. You can follow us there for any updates and some jokes. Eh. I'm not gonna call it Twitter. I mean X. Uh, The closest (laughs) I'll call it is (laughs) the closest I'll call it is X Twitter because it really is it is X Twitter. You want to be edgy? No.
1: Jet X, stupid. Edgy, stupid. I'm Elon. I'm
0: Edward. Shut up, Elon.
1: Come ride to the edge with me in
0: an electric car. Right in that Cybertruck of and yours? my 14 children in an ugly truck that looks like an <laughs> M64 accident. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: anyway.
0: Yes. <laughs> we are glad that you joined us this episode. Uh, hope you join us for more adventures on the next episode. And thank you for your support, as always. We love you. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everybody!
1: Goodbye.